God loves sinners and he's provided the way for you and me to come to heaven, to be with him. And that's simply through faith. 6,000 people groups that are left in the world today, many of whom have never heard the name of Jesus Christ ever. Anywhere at any time that is less than 2% Christianity, they're defined as unreached. Unreached people groups are located all across the world. Now is the first time in world history we actually know who they are, where they are, and the possibilities of bringing the scripture to them exists for the first time in history. There's incredible urgency today for the gospel. Arriba las montañas hay mucha gente que necesita de Dios y es un reto grande que tengo de llevar el evangelio por allá. In this century and probably within the next decade, every single unreached people group will have the opportunity to receive the gospel. Jesus is the light of the world. He who follows him will no longer walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. God's message, God's word, that living word, is never dormant. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's true. Jesus Christ took our sins, and he died on the cross. And then on the third day, God in heaven said, it's enough, and he raised his son to life. This is the good news, and we've got a responsibility to take this message to the ends of the earth. Wow, what a great video, isn't it? I'm going to put a slide up. I want to show you the impact of OCC on a daily basis. So this estimated that every 60 seconds, you can see the numbers, but every minute, 20 people hear the gospel, four people a minute receive Christ as Savior through Operation Christmas Show. And these are very conservative figures. It is the most effective child evangelism tool in the world. And uh, we've had the privilege, have we not, for 25 years, this church to partner with Samaritan's Purse and OCC to get those gifts. Thank you for doing that. Uh, before I introduce our guest speaker, I want to introduce his son. Edward Graham is in the front row. Edward, would you stand up, please? <laughs> Edward is one of America's finest. He served, he served in the Army Rangers Special Ops for 16 years. Uh, keeping us safe. Thank you for that. And he's now working with his father, uh, Franklin Graham, at Samaritan's Purse. Uh, and you know, Samaritan's Purse alleviates physical needs around the world whenever there's a catastrophe, earthquake, fire, flood. They send teams of people to help those people, chaplains as well as highly trained individuals to help in medical teams, etc., all around the world. And the head of that organization is Franklin Graham. Franklin is the eldest son of Billy and Ruth Graham. 
Um, it was because of Franklin's father that I became a believer in Jesus Christ, so I'm indebted to the family and their commitment to the gospel. Franklin Graham heads up Samaritan's Purse, as well as the BGEA, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Um, I just thank God for his passion for the Lord. He is undeterred, he is unashamed, and he's here in the house. Would you please give a warm welcome for our friend Franklin Graham. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for everyone who's packed a shoebox. 25 years. Um, this church has been a part of Operation Christmas Child. The hundreds of thousands of boxes that have gone around the world uh, to children of various tribes, various tongues around the world. Thank you. Every box makes a difference. I ask people, I think, listen, I think the key to the success of Operation Christmas Child is prayer. I really do. I ask people, as you pack the box, pray for the child who's going to get the box. I've had people say, well, Franklin, who will get my box? I don't know. Uh, God knows. Uh, so pray before you send your box off. Pray for the child who's going to get it. And this year we'll collect about 11 million boxes, 11 million people praying for children. Just think what God might do as he answers those prayers. Because this is an evangelism program. This is about reaching children and telling them about the good news, that God so loved them that he sent his son Jesus Christ from heaven to this earth for them. I want the world to know. I want these kids around the world to know. That God cares for them. He loves them. And that Jesus Christ died for their sins. And that he will come into their heart. And not only will he come into their heart, but he'll never leave them and he'll never forsake them. As they go through life, Jesus Christ will be with them each step of the way. I want the children to know that. And there are millions and millions and millions of children around the world who will never hear, who will never know. But Operation Christmas Child is a chance to touch the life of a child. Here, let me give you an example of what can, what can take place. This happened uh, a number of years ago. There was a kid in Idaho, a young boy, who packed a shoebox for a girl. And he was a, a cowboy. Well, I mean cowboy. He's a little kid, right? But from Idaho. So he has his blue jeans and he's got his cowboy shirt. And he's got a lariat of cowboy rope in his hand. And he puts that in the box, and he put his address on the back of the picture, sends the box off. Okay. Uh, the box comes to Samaritan's Purse, and we ship it. It ends up going to the Philippines to a, 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 a poor area outside of Manila. A little girl gets it, and uh, because of the box being given to her by the local church, the father and mother were so impressed, uh, it made an impact on their life. The little girl gave her heart to Christ. Uh, several years later, the mother and father had come to faith in Christ. Uh, the father started working at the church, and now uh, he's uh, pastoring or he's preaching. All of this is because of what happened with a, a shoebox, okay? 
and over, over time looking back at what God did. Well, the little girl wanted to say thank you to the boy, so she had written him a letter. Uh, the letter never got through. Uh, well, uh, along comes Facebook. So she wonders if there is a boy in Idaho by that name uh, and on Facebook. So she finds there is a one person by that name from that town, so she sends a message to be the friend. Well, he's, um, at first he refuses. Some girl in the Philippines wants to be my friend. There's got to be a mistake. I don't know anybody in the Philippines. I've never been to the Philippines. I'm not going to accept that. Some weirdo down there. Well, <laughs> she sends another message a few months later. This time, you know, curiosity just got him, right? So he, okay, he accepts. Hmm. Uh, asked who she is and how she knew his name. And she said, I'm the little girl that got your box nine years ago. And I wanted to say thank you. And I wanted to share with you what God has done in my life, what God has done in the life of my mother and father and our family. And I just wanted to let you know. So they began to talk, right? Back and forth. Well, then... She sends a picture. Hmm. <laughs> it was rather interesting. Um, so now they're, they are friends. So he works and saves up his money to go visit her in the Philippines. It was love at first sight. Uh, he went back home, worked, saved up his money, and um, went to go visit her father asked if he could marry the daughter. He said yes. They went back to Idaho, got married in Idaho, and on their honeymoon they came through Boone, North Carolina, to Samaritan's Purse, to Operation Christmas Child, to say thank you. Now, this doesn't happen every day, okay? <laughs> but to show you the impact that a box can have on a life, this girl, her mom, her dad, her old family who came to faith all as a result of a box coming through a church and the connection that made. And then later, that young girl and the boy who gave the box ended up God bringing them together. Listen, only God can do stuff like this. Uh, we couldn't do this if we, if we tried. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. We had another uh, little boy in an orphanage who got a box. And um, his parents had been killed. This was in Eastern Europe. And so um, all the kids got boxes, and there was a lot of giggling and a lot of, you know, excitement as kids opened up their boxes. This little boy went and opened up his box. So one of the orphanage workers saw that he was just sitting there holding the box in his hand like this. She said, is there something wrong with the box? No. Uh, don't you want to open it? No. Why not? I don't want a box. Why not? I want parents. I don't want a box. Hmm. Don't have parents. But somebody must love you very much to give you a box. Don't you want to see what's inside? Okay. So this person opens it up and tries to make a big deal out of every gift. Oh, look, you got some. Look, you got a soccer ball. Wow. And let's look at, oh, you got some crayons and you got a coloring book. That's cool. There's some candy. Wow. You know, trying to, trying to make the kid excited. And he didn't show much interest. He just... Looked at everything. But at the bottom of the box was a picture of the couple that had given the box with their address. And this lady said, this is the nice people that sent you this box. Don't you want to write them and say thank you? Okay. Well, he didn't know how to write, so she had to write it for him. And they put it in the, the, uh, the, the letter in the mail. And 
About six weeks later, this couple that gave the box, now they've got a letter from the kid that got their box. Now, they are over the moon, so excited. They go to church. They take the letter to church, Sunday school. They take it. You know, the, the wife took it to work and showed it to all of her friends. And, I mean, it was just a big deal. So excited. Well, they write him back, and they send him some pictures and more information about them. And Well, you know, orphans don't get mail, right? I mean, who writes an orphan? Well, this orphan gets a letter. And the headmistress comes in. You've got mail. And she's holding this letter. And every kid in the orphanage, who is this letter going to go to? goes to this one little boy who didn't want a shoebox. And he opens up the letters from this couple. And now he's so excited that there was somebody in the world that knew his name, knew where he lived, and sent him a letter. I mean, he was just beside himself. Well, he writes back. Well, after about six months, this couple goes to visit him. They had been praying for a son. Remember, this boy didn't want a box. He wanted parents. God put the parents in the box. And a few months later, they adopted him, and they took him home. And that's, again, that's just something God does. And uh, could you imagine... Those are just a few of the stories that we know about. And there's, there's so many others where God has used your box, your gift, to touch the life of a child in another part of the world. So thank you for, for every box. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. 25 years. Uh, people have asked, Franklin, how did you start? I'm not that smart. There's something God has done. Every year it's just grown. I never dreamed. Uh, this church was uh, the second year. And in the second year, we only had three churches. One church in Charlotte, Skip Heights, Calvary Chapel of Albuquerque, and Greg Laurie in California. Those are the only three churches when we first started. And, to, and, and look what God has done over the years. And we're just so grateful, and we give God the glory. <clears throat> I want to look at a passage of Scripture this, this morning. I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever been to a point in your life where you didn't know what to do? Um, you were so upset at a mistake that you had made or mistakes that you had made. And there was no one you could talk to, uh, no one you could confide in. Uh, everybody was kind of looking down on you. And you just weren't sure if you were going to make it. Well, I want to look at a passage of scripture of a, of a person who was kind of at that point in their life. And it's in Luke chapter 7, uh, verse 36. And we'll read to the end of the chapter. Luke 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman... In the city, who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, stood at the feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, himself saying, 
This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other owed 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose one who is forgiven more. He said to him, you have rightfully judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, you see this woman? I entered your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased kissing my feet since the time I came into your home. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this? Or who is this who even forgives sin? Now Simon is one of the kind of leading big shots in the city. He's a Pharisee. Uh, very religious. And I'm sure if I asked you this morning, are you religious? I'm sure many of you would say, oh yes, I'm religious. Uh, Simon was religious. Um, religion, first of all, can't save you. There's a lot of religions in the world, but there's only one Jesus. A lot of religions, but there's only one gospel. All right. And Simon now is religious. Oh, he's religious. He prays. He goes to the temple every day. He tithes his money. He teaches. He teaches the law. Pharisee. Very, very religious and a very respected person. Had an impeccable reputation in the community. And uh, he invites Jesus to come to his home to have a meal. And I've thought about that. Today, if you've never invited Jesus into your home, you can do it today. You can invite him into your heart's home. And I'm going to invite you in, to do this in just a few minutes. If you're not here and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you've never invited him to come into your heart to live, I'm going to give you that opportunity to do that. And uh, he can change your life, turn your life upside down. You can leave here forgiven this morning, cleansed with a new life, a new beginning, but you have to make a choice. You can accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross, or you can reject it. It's up to you. But you can invite him into your heart. You do that this morning. At the banquet, Simon, for some reason, is rude. Yeah, he's rude. I think he invited Jesus not because he respected Jesus and wanted to learn from Jesus and recognize that Jesus was the Son of God. No, he didn't, none of that. 
I think as a Pharisee, he was jealous of Jesus. Jesus had these huge crowds. And Jesus hadn't been to his seminary. And I think uh, Jesus was not a, a Pharisee. And how could he have all this learning? How could he have these big crowds? How could he do what he does? This is strange. I don't know. So he invites Jesus to come to his home. And he's, he's not... He doesn't show hospitality the way that he should have. For some reason, he didn't show the normal courtesies. Those courtesies were a kiss of hospitality. Now, for some of you macho guys out there, you think, I wouldn't want someone to kiss me anyway. Well, it wasn't a wet, sloppy kiss. It was more of a, uh, that kind of thing on each cheek, you know. And it was just a cultural thing. That's the way they did it. Then they... Um, he didn't wash the feet. You have to understand that this is a dusty part of the world. Um, people didn't wear shoes and socks. They wore sandals. And so when you walked into a person's house, your feet are dirty. So normally a servant or the, the, the person who invited you would welcome you. You'd sit down, they'd have a big bowl, and uh, you'd put your feet in that basin, and they'd wash it with water out of a pitcher and dry it with a towel, and that was just one of the nice things that you did. Uh, as a person came into a home, and then they would put oil on your head. Now, I'm not too sure about this oil part. I don't know if I'd want oil in my hair. Um, but it was a thing they did back then. It was a cultural thing to show respect. And Simon, this Pharisee, has Jesus come into his house. He doesn't offer a kiss, doesn't wash his feet. There's no oil for his head. He just invites Jesus, come on in. Jesus, have a seat. And the servants, I mean, he was rude. Now, the servants were shocked. This woman with a reputation, a reputation. Now, I'm not going to tell you what that reputation is because I don't know. But we can just assume the kind of work or line of work that she was in. So she comes into the room. And we all have reputations. Um... I know some people that uh, are always late. If you're going to invite them to, let's say you're going to invite them over to the house at 7.30, uh, tell them we're eating at 7 <laughs> because they're going to be late. So you might as well get them there as early as you can because they're still going to be late. Or you know some people, they'll just tell you a lie. He's got a reputation. Don't, I wouldn't believe old Joe over there because there's not a, a word that he says that's going to be true. I mean, there are people like that just have reputations. And there are people who are gracious. There are people that are kind. There are people that are loving. Uh, people that are considerate. They have a reputation of just being a loving, considerate person. And if your back is ever up against the wall, you just go to this person or that person because they're going to be there with you. They have that kind of reputation. This woman comes in and she's got a reputation. But we all have a reputation before God. And that reputation before God is that we're sinners, okay? All of us now... Simon saw this woman. Oh, she's a sinner. She's a bad person. Oh, ho, ho. here she is. This is interesting. You know, Simon didn't have the, the servants go take her by the arm and lead her to the door and say, listen, thank you for coming. But, you know, you really, you were not invited. Simon let this whole thing proceed. I think he was hoping this woman with this bad reputation was going to embarrass Jesus. Maybe she was going to say something or act in a certain way that would put him in a difficult spot. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But he didn't escort her out of the house. He let this unfold.
And so she comes in and she has this, this reputation. And I believe she might have been standing on the edge of the crowd when Jesus was speaking, when Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And she comes in, and she is spiritually and emotionally broken. She comes to Jesus, I think, drowning in regret, guilt, and the shame of all of her sins. And she wanted to come to Jesus. And when she heard that Jesus was at Simon's table, when she knew that for a fact, here she came. And she marches right in that room. She was wanting forgiveness. She wanted to be free from her sin, from the shame and the guilt. And many of you here today may be like that woman. You would like to be free from your sin, your guilt. You would like to have a new life. You'd like to start over again. If you could just somehow take the clock and just flip it back and start over again. Well, you can. You can do that this morning by putting your faith in Christ. This woman wanted forgiveness. And today, if you're willing to repent of your sin and by faith believe on Jesus Christ, he'll forgive you. She has in her hand this bottle of fragrant oil. Very expensive. This is a scene now. I mean, the, the servants are shocked. Simon is having a conversation with himself. Hmm. If Jesus really knew what kind of woman she was, I don't think he'd let her touch. You know, he's, he's talking like that. The guests were shocked. Can you imagine the guest? I mean, everybody, you're looking around, this woman. And she begins, she... I don't think she came into the room necessarily with the thought, I want to wash the feet of Jesus with tears. I don't think that was in her mind. But I think when she came in, she was so emotional. And when she saw Jesus, the Son of God, she put her faith and trust in him. And she knew that he was the answer to her problem. And the tears now are just flowing out of her. She can't stop it. She's just, just weeping. And they're falling on the feet of Jesus. And I think, if anything, she's probably a little bit embarrassed. Oh, no, look at I'm making a fool out of myself. And, and she takes her hair to wipe the tears away. And then she kisses the feet of Jesus. And she pours this fragrant oil on. This fragrant oil. And Simon, having this conversation with himself. <coughs> hmm. If he were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And he certainly would not allow this sinner to touch him. First of all, the Son of Man came to save sinners, right? You know what the Bible teaches us? Jesus came to save those that which are lost. He, Jesus said, I have not come for the healthy, but I have come for the sick. That's why I have come. And Jesus came for a woman just like this. He came for you. He came for your sins to take your sins. And Jesus knows the thoughts of Simon. He knows your thoughts. And Jesus says, Simon, can I just share something with you? I got a story I'd like to tell you. There was this guy that went to Vegas and he borrowed 500 bucks. And another guy went to Vegas and he borrowed... 50 bucks from the Pawn Stars there. Or, no, I'm just making that up. Um, 
But Jesus said, there's this guy, they both borrowed money. 500 denarii, 50 denarii. And when it came time to pay, neither one could pay the debt, so the money lender just forgave them. Who do you think Simon would love the most? Who do you suppose, Simon? And Simon said, well, I reckon the guy that was forgiven the most would love the most. Ah, Jesus says, you've acted correctly. That's right, Simon. Neither one could pay what was owed. And this is the way it is. We cannot pay the debt of sin. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. Now, you can cover your sin, try to cover it, but you can't forgive yourself. You can't buy your sin. There's nothing you can do to save yourself from your sin. You are a sinner. And the Bible says the penalty of sin is death. That's the penalty. The wages of sin is death. The entire human race is under a death sentence. When the first man sinned, Adam, and his wife Eve, that sin spread to the human race like cancer. And we were born into sin. There's nobody who has to teach you how to be bad. Uh, I've got, you met one of my sons. I've got four children, 12 grandchildren. I never had to teach one of them how to be bad. <laughs> it was just born in them, okay? Because we were born in sin. David said, in sin I was conceived. We are born in sin. And the wages of sin is death. Now, this woman is a sinner. She knows that she's a sinner. Simon knows that she's a sinner. Everybody in that room knows that she's a sinner. Now, Simon is a sinner, but he did not consider himself as a sinner. He didn't see any need for forgiveness or salvation. He was just sitting there in his pompous, arrogant attitude, condemning her. Oh, she is a sinner. They both needed forgiveness, but he didn't see it that way. The problem in the world is summed up in sin. All of us have sinned. The world is filled with sin. And if you look at, you know, why do you have a lock on your car? Because of sin. Why do you have locks on your house? Sin. Why are there bars on windows? Sin. Why do we have armies? Why do we have police forces? Because of sin. Sin is in the world. And wherever we go, we see the results of sin. And man's heart is wicked and evil. You say, but Franklin, this is the new millennium. Things have changed. What do you mean by sin? Well, God's laws don't change. They're the same yesterday, today, forever. His laws are the same. You say, but Franklin, things have changed. Culture is changing. So what? Culture? You think God's impressed with that? You say, well, right, well what do you mean by sin? Well, telling a lie is a sin. Have you ever lied? If you were sitting there and you say, well, no, I haven't done that. Well, you're lying right now. <laughs> all of us have lied. So that means we're guilty, right? You could keep all of God's laws and just break one. You're then guilty. Simon was a good guy. Came from probably a good home. He's a Pharisee. He did all the right things. He didn't have a big long list of sins that he had committed, but he had committed sin. He was guilty. He needed forgiveness. But here comes this woman, and she's got a long list of sins behind her. He gets that, he understands that, but she gets it and she understands it too and she wanted to do something about it. And when she heard that Jesus was at the table, here she came. 
Murder is a sin. You say, well, Franklin, of course. In New Mexico, we have laws. I mean, they lock you up for that. Do they? How about abortion? Ah, maybe that stepped on somebody's toes. But listen to me. I'm not here judging you. I'm here to tell you this. Some of, there's some of you here in this room, you've had an abortion. And I'm not here to judge you. But I'm here to tell you that God will forgive you today. That's right. It's haunted you. It has followed you all these days since you've had that abortion. And you wish you could have turned the clock back and done things differently. It was too late. I'm here to tell you it's not too late for God's forgiveness. He'll forgive you. And he'll cleanse you and you can have a new beginning starting today. Adultery. That's a sin. You see, God gave sex. He wants us to use sex, enjoy sex. Um, but it's to be used with parameters. It's to be used in a marriage relationship between a man and a woman. Not two men, not two women. A man and a woman in a marriage relationship. That's how God intended sex to be used. Now, there, some of you in this room, you're guilty of sexual sins. You didn't wait for marriage or you've been unfaithful in marriage. Whatever. But I'm here. I'm not judging you. Please listen to me. But this is serious. God will forgive your sins. But you've got to come to him in repentance, telling him, I'm sorry. You've got to come to him willing to turn from your sin. And by faith to believe on the name of Jesus Christ. If you'll do that this morning, God will forgive. That's right. There's not a sin here that God won't forgive. But you've got to confess it to him. You say, but Franklin, doesn't he know that I'm a sinner? Why do I need to confess it? <laughs> because he wants to hear you say it. He wants you to make sure you understand it. And he's willing to forgive. But you've got to come to him. You've got to come to God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus took our sins to the cross. And he died in our place. The Bible says the Lord is patient with us. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come in to repentance. The Bible says, this is God speaking, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. Simon, this religious leader with a good reputation, and this woman with a bad reputation were both sinners before God. You see, God is a God of mercy. He wants to forgive sin. The Bible says the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness. And this was the reason that he came, to take our sins. Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, he hung on the cross and they nailed him to that cross. They stripped him. They tortured him. They beat him. They cursed him. They mocked him. And he did all of that willingly for you. And he went to the cross and they nailed him to that cross for your sins. It was your sins that put him on the cross. Oh, I've heard people say, oh, it was the Jews that nailed him to the cross. Oh, it was the, the Romans that put him on the cross. No, it was your sins that took him to the cross. My sins took him to the cross. And they beat him, they cursed him, nailed, can you, nailed him, took nails and nailed him to a cross, laughing at him all the way. And he hung there naked before the whole world. 
And he willingly did that so that we could be with him in heaven for eternity. Because if he hadn't taken our sins to the cross, if he didn't die in our place, we would have had no hope. You would have no hope this morning. He hung on that cross. He died on that cross. He shed his blood for your sins on that cross. He was buried. They didn't dig a hole and put him in the ground. They had a, a tomb carved out of solid rock with a big stone. They laid his body in that tomb. They rolled this big stone. And then they, the Roman legions, legionnaires, sealed it. And these Roman soldiers were standing guard to make sure that Jesus did not come out of that grave. They were guarding it. They were, the, the religious leaders were scared to death that he might come out of that grave. So let's put some soldiers there to seal it, to make sure it doesn't take place. It doesn't happen. They're high-fiving each other. The next day, still high-fiving each other. Well, we, we took care of him, didn't we? Yeah, we sure did. We took care of him. He's not going to bother us anymore. That's right. He's not going to bother us. Then on the morning of the third day, God sends an angel early in the morning and its feet hit the ground. The Bible says there was an earthquake at the same time. I just have to think that maybe that angel and that earthquake kind of coincide. And I've wondered about earthquakes. Who knows? Maybe every time an angel lands, the earth just shakes. <laughs> that angel goes up to, and then here's something else when that earthquake took place. Graves were opened up all across Jerusalem. Holy men came up out of the ground. Started going throughout the city. Talking to people. This angel goes and takes, I'm sure it's just his little finger. Just did that to that stone. This thing that weighed maybe several tons. That stone just rolls back out of the way. And then Jesus comes up out of the grave. Alive. The grave cannot hold him. Death could not hold him. He comes up out of the grave. He's alive. He's here this morning. Now, guess who witnessed all of this? Who, who saw all this? The Roman government saw it. Those Roman soldiers that were standing guard, they saw Jesus come out of the grave. And they had to go back and report to the religious leaders what they saw. We saw an angel, and they rolled that stone away. And Jesus came out this morning. He's alive. And those religious leaders said, well, you just tell everybody that while you were sleeping. These are guards. They can't sleep. They would have been executed probably for that. You just tell you, you just tell." People that his disciples came and stole his body in the middle of the night. We'll, we'll get you out of trouble. But the Roman government was an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those soldiers saw it. And they reported it truthfully. They said, we saw it. And then they were convinced to lie about it. And they took some money to cover it up. But Jesus Christ is not dead. He's alive. He came for our sins. He died for our sins. He was buried for our sins. And he rose from the grave. He's alive. And he, he wants to come into your heart. He wants to forgive you. He wants to set you free. But you've got to invite him. Simon invited him to his home for a meal. I'm talking about inviting him to your heart forever. 
And if you do that today, Christ will come into your heart, into your life, and he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll stay with you through thick or thin. He'll guide you, give you advice. Take your step, one step at a time. He'll be with you. But you have to invite him. If you've never invited Christ into your heart, now listen to me. We've got a couple minutes. If you've never invited Jesus into your heart, if you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, you can do this right now. Just get up out of your seat, make your way to an aisle, come stand right here, and I'll have a word of prayer with you. Then you can go back. Your family's not going to leave you, I promise. And this will take just a minute. But if you're here this morning and you're not sure, I want you to be sure before you leave. Just do this. You have to make a decision. It's your choice. You can accept Jesus. You can reject him. He doesn't force his way into you. But he's willingly wanting to forgive you. But you have to come to him by faith. So if you'd like to do that, let's, let's all stand to our feet. And uh, just come wherever you are right now. Just come. Just make your way to an aisle. Come stand right here. Just as I am without one plea, but thy, thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just Jesus, this woman that came, when she came in, she came with a broken heart. She wanted forgiveness. She wanted to be set free. And you know, Jesus looked at her, said, your faith is healed. Your sins are forgiven. Go. And that woman left that Pharisee's home forgiven, cleansed. You can be forgiven. You can be cleansed right now this morning. So just come and join those that have come. Wherever you are, you may be up in the balcony, you may be in one of these back rooms back here or outside, but just get up and come right now. We've got a, just a few minutes. Please, if you're not sure, be sure right now. Settle this right now between you and God. Come to Him through faith in His Son, Jesus. Come. Just as I am.
I want to say a word to those of you that have come. Some are still coming. Come on. We'll wait. I want to say a word to you that have come. By coming, you're saying to God, I'm a sinner. He knows it, but he wants to hear you say it. By coming, you're saying to God, I'm sorry for my sins. And I want to turn. That's called repentance. It means you, you're willing to turn from those sins. And by coming today, you're coming saying to God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son, that he took my sins, that he died on the cross for me. And I want to invite him to come into my heart. I want to trust him as my savior. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And a prayer is just talking to God like I'm talking to you. So if you'll just repeat this uh, prayer out loud after me. Let's pray. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I was so wrong. Help me to turn from my sins. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I want to trust him as my savior. I want to invite him to come into my heart. To take control of my life. From this day forward. Forever. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Franklin. And God bless you. Don't go away. I want you to hear it from me first. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome. You've taken the first and most important step, the step of faith. Now you're going to take many more steps because you're going to be following Jesus as he leads you every single day after this. We want to explain what that's going to be like. And so every one of you who has come forward, we want to give you something and explain in just a few moments uh, what, what's going to happen next and how you can grow in your faith. Right over here, Pastor Antonio, uh, if you just follow um, one of our pastors right over this way with our team, uh, right over here to this room. Let's all go this way. God bless you guys. We hope you enjoyed this special service from Calvary Church. We'd love to know how this message impacted you. Email us at mystory@calvarynm.church. And just a reminder, you can support this ministry with a financial gift at calvarynm.church/give. Thank you for joining us for this teaching from Calvary Church.